You're listening to the Traffic and Funnel Show. Hey everybody, this is Alan, producer of the TNF Show. In today's episode, Taylor deep dives about his relationship with Chris in an interview with Sterling Griffin. They discuss how they work as a team, hiring their mentor, and enjoying the game. To join our podcast subscriber community, visit trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe to get a free gift from us and also get special access to deals on our next level paid products. Here's Taylor and Sterling. So I picked up a book by John Carlton, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Getting Your Together. And I took it to Orange Beach, Alabama, the summer of 2014. And I began to read and I learned what copywriting was for the first time. Um, I learned what an advertisement, like how advertisements worked. And we got back home and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to take a shot at writing a sales letter and sending it out to a zip code. And, but the problem is, and this is a, this is a difficult problem is it's going to cost like $200 to buy the names. I didn't have $200. So we put it on a credit card. And we took a risk and we sent the sales letter out and she started getting calls in about seven days from people who wanted to get a free haircut. And she wow. started, she was doing this, we called it a, a hairstyle and, uh, analysis. Come get your haircut for free. I'll do a cut. We'll do an analysis. I'm just giving you all these details because it's kind of maybe not pertinent, but maybe so. And I, you, you transitioned from that season of my life where I was my vision was to help her get enough clients so that I could make 30K through her, quit my job, sit at home. That was my vision. Yeah. I was the typical piece of entrepreneur who didn't really, I wanted the lifestyle. That's it. I just wanted to sit at home and it's kind of silly. If you think about it, I was going to basically pay for my, pay my way through my wife working. I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking. And I got finally to the place where I quit my job. March of 2015 because I had gotten a client. His name is Bradley and his, he was paying me $2,500 a month to help him with his infusion soft. That was enough for me to quit my job. I had replaced my salary and then I got another client and I got another client and then, you know, I got vision probably for the first time in my life. I got vision for what I could do and who I could be. Uh, I quit my job March 2015. By January 2016, I had made a million dollars. By December 2016, I had done $2 million. And you get to the place today, last week, we had our first million dollar week. So it's just boom, 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 evolution, evolution, evolution. And uh, I still remember, bro, like this is the thing. We still love Taco Bell. I know that sucks for you, a personal trainer, and you're probably going to hate on me, but... And we, we go to Taco Bell because that was what we dated. That's where we got food for date night was Taco Bell. We got Taco Bell, took it back to the apartment. And we sat on the floor and watched TV because that's what we could afford at the time. And so I always think it's important as people grow, they don't forget their roots. And they don't forget the things that made them who they are today. And a lot of wealthy people forget that. And I'm committed not to forgetting that. But there's the backstory. Okay. Well, uh, Taco Bell was a little TMI. Let me just, Sorry. Let me just say that. All right. Okay. But, Sorry. No, who doesn't love a good Taco Bell every now and then? Okay. Yeah, it's a, you love the Taco Bell. It's not the next day. So no. There's a no. price to pay. Yes. So, so talk to me about that season. I, I specifically want to know about 2015 because a lot of people, they, they don't fall in love. They fall in love with the outcome, with the goal that they yeah. want, but yeah. they don't fall in love with the skill development, which is really what's needed to make that initial leap into, you know, owning, owning your future, like being self-employed and then eventually a business owner. So how, 
obviously that first skill that you worked on developing was copywriting um, based on your story. What did you do to develop that skill set? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I got a, I invested into a course called Copy Hour way back in the day. And what this thing is, have you ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah. I actually enrolled yeah. in it probably in 2016. I mean, long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they send you a sales letter every day and you copy it out by hand. This comes from Gary Halbert, who was uh, one of the greatest copywriters in the modern era. And um, you just, I copied it out by day, man. And I had yellow notepads that I still use to this day for other things. Stacks and stacks of yellow notepads that I had, I would copy out these sales letters by hand. Mm. And then I would take the page out and I would throw them in the corner because the point was not, this is what's so important is the point was not the end result. It was who you became by copying them out. And I got lucky here because I have a biblical background and I understand the law of sowing and reaping. And there's a disconnect between sowing and reaping. And so many people sow so that they can reap. But I was going through this process of doing something that didn't mean anything. Like it wasn't, I wasn't publishing these sales letters. I was literally writing them so that my brain could become different in the process. And I learned that secret that so few people learn that it's not about the outcome. It's about this, the process in the journey and the outcome is a necessary byproduct of that journey or that process. And this, this was really healthy for me because dude, I wasn't making loads of money, you know, from, from, it was late May of 2014. My first real client was like December of 2015. That's six months of nothing. And dude, I, you better believe I was trying to get clients. Like I was trying, I was just writing sales letters like an idiot. I was like, how can I put this to work? And you know, there were times I remember one time is it one time comes to mind specifically. I had posted in a Facebook group. Noah Kagan did a course way back in the day. Mm. I think he's in uh, your neck of the woods in he Austin. Is. It was like earn your first dollar, or earn your first something. And he was teaching entrepreneurs how to uh, how to get their first client. So I bought that course, and you got access to a Facebook group with it. And one day I just went in there and I used what he was teaching in the course in the group, which was probably against the rules because I wanted to get clients. And I posted, I was like, I will help you with your sales letter. You know, it was like a paragraph of me trying to get clients. And I posted it and I went away and I came back in like 30 minutes and this post had like a hundred comments. It's like it literally just dozens and dozens and dozens of comments. And every single person was hating on me. And being like, if you can't even write your own pitch here, how are you going to be able to rewrite my pitch? And it, every single one was like, this isn't compelling. Or why are you trying to get clients in this, in this group? And it was just hater after hater after hater. And dude, I almost deleted the post. I came home and I was just frustrated. You could, my wife could tell I was down. She was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, this is, isn't worth it. I look like an idiot. <laughs> like, I literally looked like an idiot. Everybody hates me. And I got one call from a guy named Gary who was in that Facebook group. And I got on the phone with Gary and he's like, your offer's good. I think you could probably make it, you know, change it up, but don't worry about the haters. I want to pay you to do this for me. And it was that like one thing that people, people always misunderstand us, bro. They think that the people at the top just have this unbeatable resolve and, King Kong vision. And it's like, I will just go through anything to hit it. But that's not the case. 
most often what the case is, there's like one thing right when you need it that just gives you take one more step. You just go another day and then you feel like giving up again is one little thing and you just take one more step and you just go one more day. And it's this process of learning that when everything feels like you should stop, you latch on to the thing that tells you not to. Because there's always a, a million things that tell you to stop and there's one thing that tells you not to. And what happens is people get distracted on the million things that tell them to stop and they don't ever develop the focus to just latch on to the Gary. That's all it took was Gary. He paid me 400 bucks to write <laughs> literally like four VSLs, 10 landing pages. I mean, it was like I was giving away my whole family lineage for 400 bucks. But dude, that's what made me take the extra step. And then it was about a month after that and I got another client and it just evolved, you know, into this, into this new philosophy that I developed that a thousand people can tell me no. And I'll, I'll go after a thousand and one. That person tells me no. Oh, well, thousand two says a thousand three. Do not care. Like I'll latch on to whatever, whenever, just to take another step, you know? And you still, you still practice writing. It seems like every day you're writing stuff. Now it's obviously different material than it was five years ago that you're putting out. But I mean, you're on your Facebook profile, just like writing essentially pieces that sell people on an idea every single day. And you've, you've maintained that habit for years. Is this related yes. to the same thing? It's about skill development. It's about the process. Yes. Like I know that if I am sharpening the sword every day, it's going to stay sharp. If I ever stop, then it's likely going to atrophy. And so for me, it's like, I'm not writing a sales letter every day because I don't want to, I don't need to sell something every day. You know, like now there's, is, behind this computer is 40 people selling stuff for me and I don't have to anymore, but I don't ever want to lose the edge of being able to control language, to control a position on a subject. You know, like even in the last couple of weeks, you see me on Instagram, like I'm talking, I'm speaking out a lot, even about the subject of racism and inequality and how everything, you know, where are the smart people who understand not only what's right and wrong, but, possess the requisite command over language to rally movements. They're all gone, dude. Everybody, everybody is either superior at their level of communication, but they just care about the business or you've got the people who have good, they have good tongues, but not good hearts in politics. They understand how to wield weapons of communication, but they don't do it for the right reasons. So for me, it's just about, I want to stay sharp on that daily practice of writing. I'm just rambling on hope that's okay. But that daily practice of positioning my views on the world, you know, at any point I need to write something, I can do it. I've never gotten out of practice. It's never gotten dull for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I remember seeing even a post that showed that you still got these, these chops in the traffic and funnels group. Like maybe it was a month ago or so. It was like your first post and I don't know, a year, whatever. So that you posted in there. And it was a sales post, like a two-step post, and uh, and it got like four, it, it got four hundred thousand comments, I think, at the last time I checked. Um, yep. And That's so, exactly posts right. like that, posts like that, uh, would you just bust that out? I mean, was that just like brrr, like ten minutes and it's done, or is that is that a piece that you work like those sales posts that are like that? Does that take you a while? Do you craft that for a little while? now or back then i'm talking about now i know i know back then it was oh, a while, dude. but now it's like, like automatic not not even 10 minutes like maybe two and a half three yeah because okay. the the infrastructure is already built mm. so you know i know how like there's gonna have to be something at the top that slaps people's psychology around a little bit and gets mm. attention 
And sometimes I'll use slashes and sometimes I'll use all caps and sometimes I'll just tell you that you're stupid. But whatever it is, it's going to flashbang people and it's going to be like, what the hell is this? Like, you know, you got to have that thing at the top and you have to have a little bit of a supporting backstory. So you, you tell them at the top what what's going on and then you give a little backstory. They have to read the backstory because they read the first line. They're not going to leave that first line because they haven't gotten the goodies. So they are forced to systematically go through that post and read every section or they have to go through the extremely painful psychological process of exiting the app or exiting the post without getting the payoff. And so everything is constructed like an architect designing a house with the foundation and then the interior you know, elevation and then every, it, but it happens so fast now because when you get these things into your central nervous system, you know, it's like, it'd be like putting you uh, on a, like today on a sales call or like putting me on a sales call or like us even going to the gym, like these things that we're passionate about that we've done so long because we love the process, not just because we want to get ripped. Although I saw an ad of you working out on the beach, bro. Let me tell you, bro, <laughs> you got the chops, bro. Just saying goal morning formula for me, but you know, you're so, you're so good at it because you've done it so long and you're so passionate about it that it doesn't have to take that way. You know, it doesn't have to take hours and hours. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. After you've been the hours and hours and hours and hours for years, hundred uh, percent. you've fallen in love with that process. Cool. Unless, so, unless you become a client of Sterling and then it just happens overnight. You don't even have to work on it. So yeah, pretty there much. you go guys. Yeah. Yo, what's up crew? Taylor Welch here. And if you're a fan of this show and you want to get a little bit deeper in your commitment to your business and your growth and your revenue, head over to trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe. As a subscriber, you're going to get a free gift from us just to help you grow your business. And it's our way of saying thank you for joining the family. Our exclusive offers and deals usually show up to this subscriber community as well. So you'll get first dibs access on anything new, anything exciting. And most of the time, that means profitability for you. Visit trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe. I'll see you on the inside, my friends. Have you ever felt like you work, 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 work? You're constantly chasing something. But you wake up one day and you feel like you've done all of this effort and you haven't really gotten a good return out of it, but you can't give up because you've put in all of this effort and so you get stuck inside of this hamster wheel that the entrepreneur gets stuck into. One of the things that I learned pretty early on was that you can run really, really fast. You can be a really hard worker. You can be not lazy, not cheap, but you can be running in the wrong direction and where is it gonna take you? Not only do you have to have the mentorship, but you have to know what not to do. We have this cool training that is actually going to teach you the things that you should avoid in your business and how to replace them with the things that actually will work to get you more clients, better clients, happier clients, more money. A lot of times people think business is about service, but no, business is about generating profit. If you can create service, but you can't generate profit, you go bankrupt. But how do you do both at the same time? How do I say, I love who I'm serving, the clients that I have are getting great results and I'm making a lot of money doing it. I'll teach you all of those things in this training. It's free and maybe one day you'll be able to uh, have a team of your own and an office of your own and maybe even have some nice cars. We'll see. Visit trafficandfunnels.com slash holy grail. That's trafficandfunnels.com slash holy grail. So talk to me about your relationship with Chris, okay, your business partner. I'm curious how you two met, 
and like how you made the decision to start working together as business partners. And actually, I'm curious to know if that was a tough, tough decision for both of you. Yeah, we met online in a mastermind group that was put together by a guy named Ryan. And, you know, one of my, one of my ways to get clients at the very beginning is I would just post my work. And I would just say, check this out. And we, we teach some of this today in our programs, but the, the group owner had a certain way that he taught you to build funnels. And so, you know, I would go into that group and I would say, man, look how well Ryan's stuff works. Check out the results from this, from this campaign. And so I'm honoring the group owner. And so I'm not going to get kicked out, but at the same time I'm showing expertise. And so I would get clients from that dude, just like literally like ice fishing, like easy. Those people would be like, dude, can you do this for me? Um, and I was like, you know, I can't for a fee. Just wire me money right now. But Chris saw one of my posts and he was like, man, this is really good. Could you do a video on this? Cause I don't understand how you have it hooked up and stuff. And so we met there from, from that group and just developed a relationship. He was running advertising for people and I was building the campaigns and the funnels, uh, on the back end. And so we did the opposite skill set, and we started sharing clients and, you know, I enrolled all of his clients that he sent me and he couldn't enroll any of mine because he didn't know how to sell. Uh, so I just have to send him the same referrals over and over. I'm like, dude, give him a shot. I promise he's not going to sell, but <laughs> hopefully he listens to this. Um, that's like, that's, that's partially true, but not a hundred percent true. You know me and Chris. Um, yeah. So within like a month of meeting him, I was like, we should, we should partner up because I'm new. I've only been doing this for you know, less than a year. I'm pulling down like 30 grand a month, but you know, I think I could get, we could go bigger if we do it under the, under one roof. He didn't want to do it. He was like, he had just gotten out of a bad partnership. And so he was trepidatious to get into another one. And I was like, okay, no worries. No big deal. And six months later, he was like, Hey, I think we should do this actually. Mm. And at that point I was like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. And then I, I tried to pull out the last minute. I remember being at a Starbucks in Cordova, Tennessee, suburb of Memphis. And I got on the, on a, on the phone call with him. And I was like, I don't think we, sh I don't want to partner. I don't think. Just don't think. And it was like right before we were supposed to like get our campaigns going. Mm -hmm. And he talked me out of it and was like, you just need to follow your gut. And so I ended up doing it. And that first month we did like 15 K in sales and then 35, 127 in this group from there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, so talk to me about like, why did you decide to partner with Chris over other people that ran agencies or, um, ran ads for people because you're in all these marketing groups. There's tons of them. So why Chris? Like, what is it about Chris? Yeah. How'd you say, you know, this is going to be my guy. A couple of things. Like I'll, I'll give you like the, I'm, I'm going to end with the biggest thing and I'll give you like the, the short interim in the process before, like he was, he grew up in the ministry just like I did. He yep. was a missionary. Um, so we had a similar set of values, you know, and not to say that everyone who grows up in ministry is integrous because that's obviously not the case as right. you and I both know, mm -hmm. Dude, but I'm, in, I'm from the ministry too. Okay. We, yeah. we share that in common too. hundred percent. Yeah. So I get it. But I, you know, he knew people that I knew and he knew people that my wife knew and like we, he had a, just a backstory that I feel like I could trust. But by the time we got into the moment of like, let's partnering and go for it. I think that he was one of the only guys 
and I'll give Chris a lot of credit for this. Like I, I, I will constantly give Chris credit for this moment. He saw something in me, which was this crazy energy, almost spastic. I'll start anything and I'll, I'll either succeed or I'll literally die physically trying. He saw this like just bundle of, I'm new, young, don't really know everything, but dude, I'll jump off a cliff just because I can. He saw that and he kind of was like, let's just do it and let's just try it. Which for me is like, that's the golden key. Let's just try it. Let's just try it. I'm like, okay, cool. Here's a sales letter. You know, like, no, no pressure. Let's just try it. And we tried it and it worked. And we had a lot of conflict in the first three months. A lot. We fought every day because he was still working with his own clients. And once I got in, you know, I was building the brunt of it. You know, I was the one on the sales calls. I was the one kind of tinkering around in the back end. And I was mad. I was like, why aren't you spending more time on this with me? You know, like, you know, I don't want to partner with you if I'm going to do all the work because things kind of started to be like, I feel like I'm doing a lot of work. But then he came in like three months later and started optimizing, tinkering, shaving off the rough edges and scaling. And we fell into this cadence that today is second nature for us. If, if somebody's going to start something, it's probably going to be Taylor and his dumb like going to go out and do a bunch of work that might not work or maybe it will but then it's going to cap out you know it's going to cap out hard and he's not going to know how to scale it and that's where chris tends to come in with his skill set and he's like here's how we need to staff it here's how we need to build the one two three year plan here's how we need to scale the ads here's the angles and so we've developed now this cadence with all of our companies and if you look at sales mentor you know taylor started it wealth cap Taylor started it. Like there's this rhythm that we've developed of like, dude, I'm kind of the starter. And he he tends to be, uh, you know, Gandalf the white after his, you know, reincarnation who can actually bring more process in and more longevity in it. Does this, am I making sense? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So he, so you come up with the initial burst of energy, which every new business needs to get off the ground. And then he's the one that's like, okay, how do we sustain and scale this without burning ourselves out? Like he put yeah, that structure in place. Then I'm done. Like after three months, I'm done. You know, with sales mentor, I was like, cool. See you guys. I'm out. And I remember I was like with sales mentor, you might remember this. The original offer was writing this monthly newsletter yeah. uh, that was sent out. And I just literally was like, I'm done. I'm not gonna write that anymore. And they like scrambled, like they didn't know what to do because <laughs> <laughs> I just literally was like, goodbye. And so when the strategy is done right now, we kind of time that a little bit better than with sales mentor because I really caused some issues um, with just disappearing all of a sudden, because you probably have to experience the same thing. It's like, man, if I just get tired of something, I'm just not going to do it ever again, forever. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. You and I are alike in that way. It's like, I want to start it and then I want to like get really excited to get everybody pumped about it. And then I want to completely forget about it. Yeah. And then go do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's cool how Chris bounces you in that way. Um, talk to me about how you two communicate. Like, do you have a cadence for how you two communicate and make business decisions together, whether that's like daily, weekly, monthly? Do you guys have a process or like a defined structure? Or is it just kind of like you're chatting throughout the week around different things? It's just probably more like, it's more like that. It's, it's more organic mm -hmm. at this point. I think when we first started, you know, we had to be more clinical about it. Um, because we just wouldn't talk if we, if we didn't. Yeah. 
But now it's the way we make business decisions now is we'll get on the phone and we're friends. Like we're, we're also friends. Like we're not just business partners. You know, I'm, I'm genuinely interested in his life. And there are things that like, you know, you don't think are connected to business, but they tend to be connected in business uh, via just osmosis and the bleeding over of lanes. And so it's important, I think, for him to know, like right now we're building a house and he's, he's actually interested in it. He's curious about that. Like, and then he's got, you know, four kids and his oldest kid is, is a, is his daughter. And I'm like, bro, how do you handle your daughter leaving your house? Like my Kate's one, like you're going to have to help me through this, bro. So we're like, we're, we're interested and involved to an extent in the other person's life. But when it comes to making decisions, one of us is usually really, 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 really passionate about something. And a lot of times I will defer, I can have an opinion on something on a scale of one to 10, you know, I feel like I'm right, but my, I, my care level is like a three. Like, I feel like you're wrong, but I don't, I don't really care. Like, honestly, I'm not really into that right now and vice versa. So there are a lot of times when we'll disagree, but one of us like it really disagrees or like is really heavy on it. And usually it's just a process of being like, you know, okay. like. You obviously are more passionate about it, which means you've probably thought more about it. So let's just go with your, let's just do it and, and we'll figure it out as we go. It takes, it seems like that takes a lot of humility to do that. Cause it's like, instead it of feeling like your, your decision has to be the one taken up on for ego reasons. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. who has the most emotion around this particular thing? And we're going to let yep. that person run with it. Yep. Okay. So talk to me about this. You were both mentored. I'm I'm going to speed up through the journey here to All right. you guys started doing like four or five million dollars a year, and around that time you hired Jay Abraham, right? Yep. It was around yep. that run rate. Talk to me about because Jay Abraham, absolute legend in our industry, like longtime consultant to huge businesses and marketing and all across the board. I'm curious what you learned from him. I'm curious, first of all, why you hired him because it was not, I'm sure, an easy investment to make. The guys. You know, he, he demands some princely sums from yes. his private clients. Um, but I'm yes. curious why you did it anyway and then what you learned. So I remember Chris messaged me one day and he was like, bro, we should hire Jay Abraham as, as a mentor. And I remember just thinking that was dumb. I was like, dude, you're dumb. It's Jay Abraham, bro. You know, like, we're, it's be like being like, hey, let's hire Donald Trump as a mentor. Like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> But for marketers, you know, Jay Abraham is like, dude, he's a pretty much at the top. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just was like, yeah, that's what I mean, be a cool idea. We'll see. And he ended up setting up a call with Jay's sales guy and put it on my calendar. So I was like, all right, I guess we're talking, we're legitimately pursuing this. We're going to see what happens. And we talked to him, his name is Rob. And we talked to him for like 30 minutes. And he said, yeah, six month spot is $120,000. And it's for like a monthly call. And in, in one, you fly out to LA and you talk to him about your business. And it was one of those things that Chris was really passionate about. And I wasn't as passionate about it, but I was like, it's cool. I like Jay Abraham. But Chris was like, let's go. Like strap in or I'm going to leave you at home and I'm going to go by myself. It was like one of those moments. And whenever I recognize that in Chris and vice versa, 
we just go with it because oftentimes it means that some one of us is on to something and we just follow that thread so we ended up making the decision in like two days and we flew out to california and we met with jay and so the majority was, of the mentorship was was doing that in-person meetup and then like monthly check-ins around the particular material yes the game plan yeah so okay yeah so it's not like you're talking you're not like texting jay every day you're not like doing no. multiple long calls got it got it cool i mean since then we've become friends and it's you know like yeah we'll do we'll text and stuff but it's no longer about the consulting relationship as it was when we first hired him um but yeah he sent us a you know very 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 in-depth uh survey to get started and we answered a whole bunch of questions and he literally memorized it. It was like 60 pages of material. And he knew all of it. He knew all about our business. He knew everything. Um, you know, and, and this is a man who's, you know, an older guy and still very sharp, still very, has, has a very deep well of ideas and connections. But I'll say that the number one thing we learned is that we had a set of rules that were defining what we thought was allowed in business. And these rules came from our upbringing. These rules came from our relationship with money and what we thought we had to do to command the fees that we were charging and what we thought we had to do with team. And what Jay did is he came in and he was like, somebody else wrote these rules and you're just accepting them as your rules. You guys write the rules. You guys do whatever you want. You don't have to, you don't have to set your business any up any way that you want. And, and random examples, you find this all over the place. Like, for instance, we had this preconceived notion that we wanted to buy businesses because Roland buys businesses and that means we should buy businesses. Mm -hmm. And we need to buy businesses that are extremely profitable. They make us a lot of money. And Jay was like, you guys are stupid. Because he's like, what if you bought a business and instead of it making you money, it saved money for another business? Is that a profitable move? And we were like, uh, yes, that is a profitable move. And he slowly started just redefining, you know, the rules of the game and the rules of the game were just to be of service and be of value. It, and most importantly, to enjoy the game. That's the number one rule of the game is to enjoy the game. And if you ever find yourself in a season for a prolonged amount of time where you're not enjoying the game, then there's probably a rule somewhere in the rule book that does not belong there. And instead of just changing the game, you go find the rule and fix it. And that's the number one thing that we learned from Jay. Isn't that so interesting? Because I'm in a season like that right now in our business. And um, I feel like I've been learning the lessons of a $3 million business owner for a few years. Um, and meaning I've been hovering in that area for three years. And we've had higher months, we've had lower months, but in that range of income and one of the core beliefs that I had to let go of, and actually you helped me with this, you consulted me on it, is that if it's got to be, if it's going to be done correctly, then I need to be involved in it. Then I need to be like either the one executing on it or like outlining all the little details with every part of it. I need to be the decision maker on everything. And one of the things that you taught me is like, you need to stop outsourcing work and start outsourcing decision making. Yes. Because the process to go from, you know, making a few million bucks a year to having real leverage where you are making whatever eight figures, multiple eight figures and beyond is where 
you get great people that then make those decisions for you. And then right. they rarely, if ever, ask you for help. But otherwise, just report, hey, here's how much money sit in your bank account or whatever. Yeah. So talk to me about how you learned that lesson. How Was there was there a painful process behind that where you had to like, okay, I'm just going to let this go? Because I feel like, Taylor, to be honest with you, it feels like you just learned that lesson really fast. You just went right to it and started letting that started letting work go. Definitely not, man. I mean, if you think about it, bro, like everyone we hired in 2016 is no longer here. From 2016 to 2017, the team was gone and turned over. From 2018 or 2017 to 18, the team was gone and turned over. Round three turned over. It wasn't until round four. And the first hire of round four was Tommy. And you know Tommy. Yeah, that was in 2018, right? Is the later half of 2018. And he's still here. And then pretty much most of the people that we've hired still have this track record with us as well. So you can see a switch from pre-2018 or, you know, pre-late 2018 to now, mm. simply in the longevity of our staff. So that's like the first thing. Um, what happened though is I got, it, you know, I, it was a painful process, dude. I got so burned out and Chris was burned out. And we were just like, dude, we don't care anymore. We just don't care. You know, we have enough money. Um, you know, we can obviously just, we could go back to freelancing if we wanted to, like we can do whatever we want. And that feeling changed everything. We can do whatever we want. And from that point forward, we began to get out of the way and the philosophy changed where it was like, you know, uh, I don't have all of this risk involved in you making the right decision. I'm incubated. Like I'm good. I'm trying to help you so that you can be incubated. Big shifts. Because what most leaders do is they're like, man, I'm going to coach you so that you don't F it up. And that's like, you missed it. What you want to do is you got to partner with these people. I'm coaching you so that you can win. I'm going to win regardless, but I want you to be here and I want you to win. And I want you to win so much that at times I'm going to let you make the wrong decision because the only way I got here was making wrong decisions. And why do I expect that you're going to be the magical fairy? Yeah, Tommy, you're, why do I expect you to be the magical fairy? That's just going to come in and never make bad, bad. He's made bad decisions. I've made bad decisions, but we developed this grace to allow people to learn and that flipped the switch for a lot of people. But you got to remember that where did this come from? It came from being so burned out that we didn't care. So it was maybe the, the wrong way to learn, but we learned it anyways. Thanks for listening. For more from Chris and Taylor, visit trafficandfunnels.com and get a free gift just for being a subscriber. That's trafficandfunnels.com.